0: Amen. Well, let's turn in our Bibles now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 as we continue in this third chapter of 1 Thessalonians. Where we finished off last week, Paul had been telling the people there in Thessalonica how much he appreciated them and what God was doing for them. And he said in the, in the final verse that we looked at, verse 8, he said, For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. In other words, you've made my life if I see that you guys are solid, that you're really standing and you're there. But then he goes on and shares with us something that I think is really key to life for all of us. You know, in a whole lot of ways, life is all about how you can find out how to get happy. Everybody wants joy. Everyone wants to feel like life's working for them. And When people don't manage to find joy in life, they either are miserable and make others miserable. Um, In some cases, they just decide life's not worth living anymore. And it's something universal that every one of us wants is that feeling of joy. There's something wrong with you if you don't want to feel good, if you don't want to be happy. But the problem is with life is that life is so inconsistent. Life is so unpredictable. And it's really hard for for me to separate myself from everything else. And, And the truth is, every day is not a good day for me. Every week is not a good week. Sometimes I'll have a bad day. Sometimes I'll have a bad week. And so how are you supposed to be happy when things aren't going well for you is one of the greatest questions that we have to figure out in life is that how can we find a joy that's not dependent on us being on a hot streak? Anyone can be happy when they win. I mean, every we all, you know, the the U.S. beat Canada in hockey the other day, and, and let's face it, not, we're all too smart to really care about hockey, but we're just, <laughs> something about beating Canadians is just kind of cool, and... Though none of us watched the game, nor will any of us probably watch the game today, we'd like to win, and if we win, things are good. But the problem is, in a, in, a, in a sporting activity, there's always somebody winning and somebody losing. The key is, if that's the way life is, how can you be happy even when maybe you didn't win this one? And a lot of people talk about, and I have too, and I've preached on you know, finding our joy in the Lord instead of in the circumstances. And there's something to that. And yet, really, to get your head around the idea of finding your joy in the Lord is even kind of difficult. Because it's hard to be happy for God. I mean, He's sovereign. And He's omnipotent. He can do whatever He wants. If God beat the Canadians, pff, of course He's God. He's already made them live in Canada. But... <laughs> but you know how do you go oh god i'm so happy for you but paul here in this passage demonstrates how i think this really works in a real practical way and if your joy has been on an up and down lately if you've been going through times when you're just going through a flat spot and you're not you're not really feeling feeling like your life is full of joy and happiness i think there's a key here or some keys here that might help you. This is a really important passage of Scripture. And so beginning with verse 9, 1 Thessalonians Thessalonians 3, Paul goes into a prayer, really, and he says, For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God? See, Paul has a handle on the way to be happy for someone else. You've heard that expression, I'm so happy for you, but how many times do you say you're happy for someone, but in reality you're like, yeah, that's great for you. <laughs> happy for you, but not for me. But when we really care about someone, when our, when our concerns are linked with theirs, we we can get to a point where if something happens good to them, it blesses us in a way sometimes even better than if it had happened to us. You first begin to discover this probably when you have kids. And as your kids grow and you see good things happen to them, you're way more excited for them than you would ever be for yourself in the same situation. You know, I remember... And I, I'm a very competitive person, so always in sports, winning was a big deal to me. I, I never felt like there was a point to play if you don't have a shot at winning, and, and I would do just about anything I had to do in order to make that happen as much as possible. So I was always competitive. But man, when my kids started competing in sports, then I got really into it. <laughs> I was easily happier when my kids would win, you know, one of my kids would win a wrestling match or they'd win a football game or a hockey game or whatever it was, an award at school or the Bible bowl, whatever it was, I was thrilled. And I'm telling you, a little kid who's mine, who wins makes me happier than anything I've ever won in my life. And we see that happen as we care about people but Paul here is saying that to the Thessalonians he's like I am so happy for you my joy is connected to your doing well now this is important for us to understand and to get a grip on because uh, because of the mathematics involved okay I'm not going to always have a good day. So if I'm happy based on the day I'm having, I'm going to live on a roller coaster. But somebody that I know is going to have a good day almost every day. And sometimes just if they stay away from me. And so (laughs) it's like, if I can tap into that, I mean, remember, Paul didn't really know these Thessalonians that well. He had taught there in Thessalonica, as far as we know, from Acts 17. He taught there for three weeks. The church started, he got run out of town. So, and yet, he is able to tap into their success and cause it to give him joy. And that's amazing. That's partly, I think, what spectator sports do for us, really, as well to enjoy seeing someone else do well. It doesn't really make me anything for someone I'm cheering for to win, but it allows me to get out of myself a little bit and let somebody else have the burden of making me happy. Like This week, towards the end of the week, um, Calvary Chapel's wrestling team is competing for the state championships up in Bakersfield. And I'm looking forward to it. My brother and I are going to run up there for a couple days and cheer these guys because we have some kids who at the high school there, a couple of them are just unbeatable. Several of them have a shot at state at winning the state. And it's just when you see that, it's like, okay, now I'm not thinking about me, but I'm actually able to be happy and celebrate for somebody else. Well, that's the way Paul lived his whole life in a lot of ways as a fan of other people that he had ministered to. And I think it's important for us to learn to do the same. And as we look into his explanation of his prayer, you'll get at least three tips as to how this can happen. How practically you can do this in a way that you tap into that source of joy that's infinite, because anytime something good happens to anybody that you know, you can feel a part of that and be blessed. By us together, by how God has blessed us. And so he goes on in verse 10 and he says, Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. And in verse 11, Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our path to you. By the way, just a side note. God and Father and Jesus Christ, two subjects with a singular verb, they're doing this together. But his point here is, as he says in verse 10, I'm praying exceedingly that we can see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. In other words, he's saying, a part of my joy is thinking how I am going to help you and how I'm going to bless you, how I can make a difference in your lives. If there's a gap I see, if there's something that you're missing, oh man, I want to get there. Now, we don't know, we don't think Paul ever got back to Thessalonica, but he was finding joy just in planning how he was going to bless him. Some of what he blessed him with was the rest of this epistle. And we have some of the greatest truths in Scripture here in these in the third and in the fourth and fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians. But, but see, get this, and, and here's my point. Paul, though being in a difficult circumstance himself, was getting stoked and excited, thinking up how he was going to bless somebody else, thinking of how he could help them, help complete them, help be a blessing to them. And he was praying that that would take place. There's, I can't think of a better way to get out, away from your own circumstances, your own limitations, and your own problems than to try to help somebody else. And, you know, we always heard that saying, oh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when you're a kid, you think, come on, it is not. <laughs> Kids hate to give, they love to receive. But, it's true, isn't it, when you start to get a little older and you pretty much have most of the things that you need or, or everything that you want is too expensive for anyone to buy for you, and, and you realize how good it feels to give something to someone else. And, it, and you can easily enjoy surprising someone by doing something for them that's special and find that you yourself are more blessed by that than you are when someone surprises you. Personally, I don't like surprises. So the, the best way to have an awkward moment is for you to try to do a big surprise thing for me and for me to pretend like I appreciate it. But, <laughs> but I do love doing things for other people. And, and so, and, and Paul is saying, I am sitting here thinking and praying for you guys, and I'm thinking, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What is it that you need that I can give and doesn't, doesn't that feel great? And especially when it's not like a holiday and you're obligated to do something for someone. But if out of the blue you just call somebody up and tell them, hey, you know, I really appreciate you. And they're like, and at first they're going to be suspicious. But then it's just like, wow, that's, that's nice to hear. You know, that was a surprise. That was out of left field. That was a blessing. You know, when I always love hearing from somebody that I haven't heard from in years especially if they're not selling Amway, they're just like wanting to check up on me. (laughs) Uh, I apologize already to you Amway (laughs) distributors. But, you know, Paul had that mentality. He was like, I love blessing you guys, and it makes me happy to pray for ways that I can do it. And I I would suggest to you, if if you've been running a little sluggish in the joy department, Start to look for something that you can do that will make a difference to someone else. Look at some of the stuff that you have that maybe you don't care about and you could give it to someone else and they would be blessed. Or just to pray for them or to do something nice for them or to ask someone to lunch or dinner. You know a family that has a bunch of little kids? Offer to just come over and watch their kids so they can get out for an evening or something like that. Um, it will do two things. It'll cause you to really be blessed playing with the kids for a while. It'll also cause you to rejoice that you don't have little kids. And <laughs> it allows them to get out and, and, and you end up feeling like, wow, that, that really felt good. Maybe a while before I do it again, but that felt really good. And that was where Paul was coming from. Okay, I am finding joy by thinking up things, ways, in which I can minister to you, in which I can help you. And it really is a blessing to be able to do that. Now, as we read on, he says, and verse 12 continues in his prayer, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. Paul was, at first he was praying and thinking about how he could bless others and that gave him joy. But now he is looking at people and saying, I want you to love each other. In other words, I'm praying that you have great relationships in your life. And life is so much about relationships. Paul is saying, I want you guys to love each other. Paul was a great peacemaker between people who were at odds and between people who were at odds with him. And he was constantly encouraging love, and as he says here, just as we do to you, he was an example of love, but there's nothing that he wanted people to do more than to love each other. It wasn't all about Paul, it was about, man, if you guys would do this. And again, sometimes it doesn't work, because love is one of the most difficult things to actually get people to do it's a very unnatural thing the natural thing for us is to be at odds with each other because we're different but when people get together and begin to love each other that's just radical it's supernatural it's what makes life worth living and if you have a part in that have you ever had an opportunity to get two people together and see them make up and everything's fine makes you feel really good and how about People that you know who are couples, who are married. Do you pray for them to grow in love for each other? In their families, to pray that that will happen? When you know that they're at odds with their kids, or maybe they have an older kid that they won't even talk to them, do you pray that somehow God would heal that? How much time do we really put into this? Now, this is directly proportional to first of all whether you believe that prayer does anything. I mean, if prayer doesn't work, you're not going to waste time doing this. But if you believe that prayer works, that you go to God and ask him, I mean, and somebody's relationships will be better and their their it'll be more godly and their 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 lives will begin to fall together and they'll start to fit and when you see somebody who's lonely, and you would pray for them, and God would bring along relationships to complete them. Do you really think that will work? Because if it does, then you certainly ought to be putting time and effort into investing in people's lives in that way. But one of the things I'm really praying as we begin those home fellowships later on in the spring is that a lot of people will connect with others and that, and that coming to a smaller group will help people to just feel that mutual love help people to feel like they matter somebody cares about them somebody knows what's going on in their lives well Paul was into that and so but he is saying man i am just so happy because i'm praying for you guys to have better relationships and i'm hearing that it's happening i'm hearing that this is going on and boy what an important emphasis for us to to learn in our lives to have that become a part of who we are and what we do people that you know now there's nothing there are a few things i can think of that are more exciting than when there are two people who are apart they hate each other and you've been praying for them and you see god do a work and bring them back together you see a family where the kids are just really messed up and out there and the parents don't even know where they are and there's all these you know problems and bad habits and everything coming in and everybody hates everybody else and and you pray and pray and wonder is, there, is this going to do any good and then you hear oh man kids came home F- you know marriage is doing better they're functioning the way that they should they're loving each other that's exciting it's exciting to pray for somebody who's single and alone and, all, and you know how much they want to connect with somebody else and then you hear, boy, they met some great person and they're clicking and it's nice. Maybe they've been widowed or, or something like that and they're so lonely and it's like, wow, what a, what a blessing to see that happen. And when you know you prayed for it, it, makes a huge difference. But we have a great amount of influence at our disposal through prayer And again, it's a numbers game. It's a percentages thing. If you've never had the experience of praying for two people and then having them increase in love for each other, I wonder how many people you've really prayed for in that. Because, you know, people are going to go, man, I've been estranged from my son for 15 years and I pray every day and nothing happens. I've been single for a long time and I pray for God to bring me somebody and he never does. And I saw those people. Well, again, that's why we need to play the numbers game and pray for as many people as we possibly can because, yeah, not every prayer is going to be answered right the way we want it and every time that, that some marriage is in trouble, it's not going to be healed but if you pray for her enough, trust me. When it happens to one, and you know you were involved, or when it happens to one and you were the one, you go, "Wow, that's worth." I, I would, and you know, Jesus leaves the ninety-nine sheep to go after the one, but he ministers to all of them, and and so for us, uh, and you know, like I say, Paul barely knew the Thessalonians. Paul had started a lot of churches, ministered to a lot of other churches that were second generation who came about from people he had ministered to and knew about churches he had never been because he knew somebody at the church and he was praying for all of them. So though he would hear back from Corinth and they go, things aren't going too well here. And he hears from Thessalonica, yeah, it's working. It's like if somebody surfs, there's never good surf everywhere. But what you do is, and the reason they have surf line and things like that is you can find out, hey, it's breaking somewhere almost all the time. And it's the same way in terms of praying for people's relationships. They're not all going to be answered. That's why we need to pray, pick out several people and several different places. And I hope that even as you drive by the church, God will put on your heart to pray for this church. Particularly, pray that we would love each other. Pray that this would be the kind of a church where people come and they feel like people care about them and notice them. But not only that, just to make sure, because we have some difficult people here, pray for the Baptist church next door, the same thing. That that place will become a place whereby people walk in and they feel loved. And they go, People care about me here. And not only that, while you're at it, while you're heading down the street, pray for the Methodist church. That, that people will feel God's love there, that they will love each other. You go, wait a minute, Methodists? Yeah. Uh, the Jews at the Jewish temple over on the other corner, pray for that for them as well. That all of these places would be places where people would love each other. Now you go, but wait a minute, some of them are wrong. Yeah, and we're not in different ways. It's, it's discovering love that generally allows people to discover Jesus. See, it's the kindness of God that brings us to repentance. And so, and, and, and it's great to pray for people that they will get saved. And you can pray that for the people in our church and the Methodists and the Jewish people and the Baptists too. But people that you're praying that they'll get saved, how about also praying that God will just really bring love into their lives and maybe use that to draw them to himself. And then when you see it happen, when you hear, it's like, wow. I'm so blessed because I hear there are changes. I hear things are happening. All of a sudden, I'm like seeing the parking lot next door filling up and I'm just going, praise the Lord. That's great. God must be doing something over there. And I prayed for it. I didn't just always pray for that church and go, God, it'd be so great if they would shut down and then we could buy them and have a bigger place. No, it's like, no, I, I want God's people to love each other. And that's where Paul was coming from. And so he said, I've prayed that for you. And that's one reason why I have joy right now, because I see God answering that prayer. And again, the more joy you have, it's just like if you're catching fish, and they allow it, certain places won't allow it, but some will, where you put several hooks on the line, even have several fishing poles going at once. Um, you, you, the, more, the more you put out there, the greater the opportunity of you hearing some good news today and tomorrow. The more people that I am praying for, the greater the opportunity, the, the joy that's going to come back to me because somebody, somewhere, has that prayer answered, and I know that I had a part in it. I know that I participated. See, behind, you know, when people aren't aren't happy, they can cite immediate causes in their life to say, I'm not happy because of this or because of that or because this happened or because I want that. You can do that. But what's really behind all of that unhappiness and all of that dissatisfaction is the feeling of insignificance, is feeling like there's no reason for you to be here, that you don't really have a purpose, that you don't have value in your life, but you do. And God can use you in huge ways when he opens the doors to do it, and a part of that is going, I'm going to pull for others I'm going to desire, and, and I'm going to exemplify to them, and I'm going to be a peacemaker. When I know two people that aren't getting along, I'm going to try to encourage them. And then as I pray, and I encourage them, when I see God doing a work, man, I I did that. It's like those phony um, Windows 7 commercials that are out now, where these you know the, all these people are going, yeah, you know, I suggested that they do this to the Windows operating system, and I'm Windows, and that was my idea. They stole all their ideas from the Macintosh, but they're trying to tap into this mentality of like, wow, I had a part in that. Now again, if somebody, I don't want to rob somebody's joy, if they want to be real happy because they thought up something that Apple's been doing for 20 years, then okay. But the point is, we can live our lives that way and go, I am going to make a difference in other people's lives. And I know that it makes a difference because I believe what God says. I believe that when we pray, it does something. And so Paul found his joy there in praying for their relationships. And then finally, in verse 13, and and this point really flows forth from the, the second point, but he says, so that he may establish your heart's blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. The thing that he's praying for them here is that until the Lord comes back for them, whether he comes in the rapture, whether he takes you to be with him by your life ending at some point and him taking you home to be with the Lord and then you get to come back with all the saints, but he said... I'm praying for you that you would become strong and holy. Now, we kind of mess up this concept of holiness, and, and we think that, that you know, it's, it's God's attempt to control us, to make us like he wants us to be. Now, holiness is being like God, but the word holy is connected grammatically with the word whole, complete, entire. And the only reason that God wants us to be what he wants us to be is because he knows that that will allow us to be the best version of who we are, to be the best that we can be. The army had a good slogan with that, be the best that you can be in the army. And it's, it's really, if you've been in the army, you, you'll have to judge whether you lived up to it. But what a nice goal in life for others is to pray that they would become the best that they could be. And that's what holiness is. And by the way, the reason I said it's connected with the second point is because holiness always, always develops out of relationship. When you have healthy relationships, it will lead to holiness. And we're going to get into that next week as we get into chapter four here. But see if you didn't have to deal with people, it'd be easy to be holy. (laughs) It's people that complicate things. And at the same time, dealing with people, there is nothing like dealing with people that will bring out in you those areas where you still need to grow and develop. Because trying to have a relationship brings out the best and the worst in all of us. And so Paul says, I'm praying that as you learn to love each other, that the result will be that you become more and more, you move in the direction of being the best version of you that you can possibly be. And that's what holiness is. Now, how often do we pray that for others? How often do we want that in others? How do we we see the world just as a bunch of heathen, pagan, unholy people and we wish they could be more like us but we're really good? Or do we sincerely have the desire to see everyone accomplish everything and to be as successful as they can possibly be with the gifts that God has given them, with the opportunities that He has given them? Listen, we are not in competition with each other. It's not a zero-sum game. It We are all interdependent. A zero-sum game would be if there's only so much to go around, and if you win, I lose. If I win, you need to lose. And some people see the world that way. But that's not the way it is because of the fact that God is eternal. And so the truth is, the correct perspective should be, I want you to be as good as you can possibly be. I want you to be the best version of you that you can possibly be. I want you to be as blessed, as fortunate, as successful as is, as is possible with God's help. And when I see that happening in you, I am going to rejoice for a couple reasons. For one thing, because I've been praying that it would happen. And secondly, if it's possible for you, it's, there's hope for me to grow as well, to improve as well. Well, you go into the bookstores and go to the self help section. Just tons of stuff. Everybody goes in thinking, how can I help myself? It's something that everyone wants. We all want to improve. We all want to get better. Well, we need others to do that. We need relationships to do that. So we need to learn to get along with each other. And then we need to pray for each other that we will excel, that we'll do well. And when it happens to any one of us, we should all rejoice and we should all be happy. And, and, and that's where Paul was coming from. And so for us, I mean, it's always interesting to see people who aren't doing well because sometimes that makes us feel better. Oh, I'm glad I don't have that problem. And somehow you look at, at some couple that's on a pedestal and, uh, you know, you see, oh man, you know, we'll never, our marriage will never be like, Brad and whoever he's with this you know, year, Brad and Angelina, and we're like, when we hear, oh, I think they're getting a divorce, they're, TMZ got them, they're secretly meeting with an attorney, and I think they're breaking up, and what's going to happen to their kids. Somehow, people like that kind of news. Um, when you heard about their problems, when was the last time you stopped and prayed for them? When was the last time you decided, instead of just drooling over the news. How about going, God, these people need your love. I got those kids. Please help them to love each other and help them to come to know you. Help them to develop into the people that you can make them into. Bless them in every way possible. What a different way to read the newspaper. If we were looking at the newspaper and every story was an opportunity for us to pray that God would work in people's lives and give opportunities for the gospel to be spread to people who are in times of difficulty and then we were going I pray for them, I pray for their relationships I pray for their success, their completion their holiness, I pray for all the pieces of the puzzle to come together for these people now we could do that do you think it would work? Do you think it would change anything? Do you think it would matter? If you don't, then you don't believe the Bible. Just admit it. And frankly, some days, I don't. Some days, I just, if I, if I was thinking about, wait, what I believe in my head and how it translates into my actions, I'll be the first to admit, there is a, there is a gap between what I believe theoretically and how it ultimately affects me. But when I'm aware of that gap, I, I go to the Lord and, and repent, and I deliberately say, okay, God, we're starting over here. I'm going to do this. And, and so, it, again, it's the prayer. Okay, God, how can I help them? What can I do for them? Please help them love each other and have better relationships, and then ultimately use that God to make them the best that they can be. You do that for others, you'll find the greatest joy imaginable. You'll find out why people spend long hours being coaches or teachers, and you look at them and go, That doesn't pay that well. How can you be so involved? And sometimes even people who are in those positions don't understand completely what it is they're dealing with and why that satisfaction is there. But to have a hand in someone else's success will give you more joy than anything ever that will happen to you. And you ask any coach of a sport, would you rather be coach of the year or would you rather win a championship for your team? And it's no contest. Because joy is found in the success of others. And in tapping into this supernatural power that God has given us to be influential in the success of others, and therefore finding our joy made full and complete. I am happy for you to to put that into practice. And again... With these three simple steps, you could go down the list in, your, in a time of prayer this week and just begin to think of some people in your life. How can I bless them? God, what can I do that's going to help them? And, and then to say, God, bless their marriage, bless their family, bless their friends, bless their relationships. God, is there any way that I can influence them, that I can help them? Maybe I can introduce them to somebody or help bring peace to a situation where there isn't peace. And then thirdly, God, please make them, I'm not in competition with them, make them the best that they can be. God, do for them that which makes them whole and holy and complete. And before you know it, you find joy starts seeping in. Because now it's not up to you to decide to only find joy based on what happens to you is to put way too much pressure on yourself. It really is. It's not a, a real selfish thing to be selfish. It's a self-destructive thing to be selfish. Too much pressure. Be there for others. You'll be taken care of. You'll find your joy. At the same time, if today you're saying, man, it's been a long time since I felt joy, look out. Look around. Open up your perspective a bit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and for this example that Paul set for us. Lord Jesus, the example that you ultimately set for us when you gave your life for us. God, help us to learn this. Because I know you want us to be happy. And I know we'll be a lot happier if we are focusing on what we can do to help others, to see others improve in relationships, and to have them ultimately become more complete, more successful, the best that they can be, holy before you. And so, Lord, you know all of our hearts. Remind us this week if we have a special need to focus on this passage and on these techniques. Help all of us to follow Paul's example, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Saul so stand. If you're here today and you need prayer.